Hey friends, it's good to see you again. Thanks for coming back and joining us as we continue our journey through live simply, love generously. We are so grateful that you're here. Will you join me in prayer as we begin our time together? Holy and gracious God, you are an amazingly generous God. You have offered us so much in and through your son, Jesus. You offer us forgiveness and mercy and grace. And God, you do that simply because you love us. And so God, these days we pray that we might respond to that generosity by being generous ourselves with our lives, with our hearts, with our words, and certainly with our dollars. God, you are a generous God and we are grateful. May we live that every day of our lives as we seek to live more simply so that we can love more generously. In Jesus' name, amen. I, had, I was at the grocery store the other day, and I don't know about you, but I love going through the, the self-check. I, I don't know, it's something about the control issues, right? I can scan in the order I want, I can bag in the order I want, I can do it the way I want, right? So I'm always in that line. The other day I was waiting as others were in front of me, and it was a fascinating scene with a mom who had two little boys. I, one must have been four or five, the other might have been six or seven. Mom's uh, scanning uh, graciously and she kind of notices that the four-year-old is a bit enamored by those point of purchase things, right? Where the candy bars are and the gum and all that kind of stuff is. And she, she starts in what I call the progression. She says quite gently to her son, no, we won't do that today, right? He's trying to grab candy bar, right? And then he's more persistent. And so she says, no, we're not going to do that today. And she becomes more insistent. And then finally, she gets to the point in the progression that she's yanking him away from the candy bars, right? In fact, not only yanking him, but she finally has to take it out of his hand and throw it in frustration back on the shelf. And then she walks what we all know is the walk of shame and disgust as she walks away from the checkout counter. She's done everything she can to keep her son from grabbing that candy bar that he saw that he wanted. You ever been there? I bet you have. We all have. Because I, I, the more I thought of that, the more I realized what a story of our own lives that is. I see something, I want it. And so I usually grab it or take it, right? I know that happens to me all the time. I'm always scouting out good deals. Man, I love a good deal. I'm going to buy something that's a deal whether I need it or not, right? I do it on Amazon. You know my problem with Amazon itself. But I love, here's one of them that I love. When I go through a restaurant and as I'm going to my seat, do you do this? I scout out what everybody's eating, right? So I can kind of see what I want or what looks good. Or man, I might think about that particular item. I'm always looking for something good. Isn't it funny that our eyes have a good impression on who we are and they kind of guide us in our own lives? And it's funny, we use language about eyes and seeing all the time about things that we want or things that are going on in our lives. You ever notice that at the end of a meal, if you had left food there or maybe your kid left food there and you use this phrase, my eyes were bigger than my belly, right? Or when we talk about um, things that we're wanting, we use phrases like, I've been eyeing that. Or quite literally, I'd give my eye tooth for that thing, right? Or if we're talking about somebody who has a bit of a, 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 a habit of looking at folks, right? You say, he's got a roving eye. Remember that phrase? But even when we're talking about things that we want or need, we use other phrases like, you'd have to see it to believe that, right? Or I see what you mean. 
we're always using these phrases that talk about our eyes and our vision, our sight, what we're seeing. And it fascinates me because I believe, as I'm sure you do, that what we see and how we look often impacts the way we live. And Jesus was a master teacher of this. In fact, Jesus teaches us this amazing lesson that there's this relationship between what we see and what we do, or how we see and how it is that we're gonna act or behave. Now, if you were with us last week, you may recall I talked about what I refer to as the heart issue, right? Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Today, I'm gonna to move from the heart to the eyes because Jesus has a fascinating lesson for us to better understand that our eyes have import on our heart and on our behaviors. So we're sticking in Matthew chapter six. We're gonna continue along that same path to just the next couple of verses in six verses 22 to 24. And here's what Jesus shares with us. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That's a pretty powerful lesson, isn't it? It's pretty straightforward about healthy and unhealthy eyes, about how those healthy or unhealthy eyes kind of impact who we are and what we do, right? But when you think about it, it's kind of weird. What does he mean by healthy eyes or unhealthy eyes? On the surface, it just feels like, golly, maybe you don't see very well, or maybe you do see well, right? Healthy or unhealthy. But when we get to the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, we begin to recognize there's something more to those two words. So I wanna share them with you. So when Jesus is talking about healthy, that Greek word healthy, it actually means generous. So when Jesus is talking about healthy here, he's meaning a generous eye, that I, I do something generous with the way I see the world, with the way I encounter the world. My eyes are generous and they lead me in a generous way. Unhealthy, on the other hand, this is really fascinating. The word unhealthy in that original Greek means stingy. So that when, I'm, when I have unhealthy eyes, it means I'm stingy, I'm self-focused, I'm self-centered, I'm not really uh, looking towards others or working on a relationship towards others, right? We don't want stingy eyes. I actually love the way Eugene Peterson's The Message renders this. I'm gonna read a couple of the same verses so you can get a flavor of what Jesus is really meaning by healthy and unhealthy. Listen to the way the message renders it. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Isn't that fascinating? A dank cellar, because we've got these dark or um, squinty eyes. You see, what Jesus is pointing out is the way we view the world, the way we look at the world, it can change how we interact with the world, interface with the world. And if we've got healthy or generous eyes, man, we're, 
we're looking at it wide and bright and we see there are possibilities and opportunities and we're much more likely to be generous with who we are, what we do with others, how we interface in the world, right? But if we've got these squinty eyes, these unhealthy eyes, all we want to do is sort of look inward. We just want to focus on ourselves and get things for ourselves. It's kind of like what I talked about last week, if you were with us, this scarcity of more concept. Because those squinty eyes that keep wanting more for me and seeking out to achieve more or accomplish more or acquire more, and we get into these, these myths about our lives, right? The myth that somehow bigger or more equals better, or somehow that um, if you see in me a busy schedule and the busyness of my life, that somehow there's some significance going on. Or sometimes when I see what I desire, like that little boy with the candy bar, I have to fulfill it. You see, that's a myth. Just because we desire something or just because we see something does not mean we have to have it. But it causes us to start looking squintily at the rest of the world because we get all focused on what this is. So Jesus, he's got a new vision for us. He wants for us to look at the world with different eyes, to see, in fact, the world as God sees the world, generous, wide open, with amazing possibilities. In fact, when we continue through this chapter next week, we'll see that Jesus is trying to capture for us a new vision, which is a single-hearted devotion to God. And when we have that single-hearted devotion, it changes the way we see, the way we behave, the way we relate. And that's Jesus's desire for us, friends. Part of what Jesus says point blankly in this teaching today is that we can't serve both God and money. You, you can replace that word serve with almost anything that relates, right? But um, can't love both God and money. We can't worship both God and money. We can't serve both God and money. Because when we do, our attention is divided. When we do, we feel as though we, we're going to lean more one way or the other. And, and we need this single-hearted devotion. He, he knew early on. I mean, this is why Jesus would teach and preach more about money and wealth and its use than any other topic other than the kingdom of God. He knew that we would get caught up in it. And that's why he's just going to be point blank here in chapter 6. You can't love or serve or worship both money and God. We need this single devotion. I love the way the author of Hebrews put it in the 12th chapter. He just said, we must keep our eyes on Jesus, who leads us and makes our faith complete. That's our goal, you see, is this single-hearted devotion to God rather than stuff rather than things that divide us. And one of the best ways to do that, we talked about last week, which is simply simplicity, right? To, to purge our lives of the clutter, to clear that stuff out, whether uh, schedules, relationships, or stuff, we wanna try to clear ourselves of that because it helps us to remain focused, to face what it is God wants us to, which is love and generosity and mercy, right? I love the way Paul put it when he wrote to the church at Corinth. He just said, look, things that are seen, they don't last forever. But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. They offer us the kind of gift that God's looking for in our lives. And so part of what generosity brings for us 
is not only a generosity of spirit and a wide-eyed possibility, but it helps us to begin to see the way God sees. And that's our ultimate goal, isn't it? Is to see the way God sees. Friends, we've got a great couple in the life of this church, Ted and Ann Hyde. They're longtime members. They've been involved on so many different levels. Uh, Ted is currently the lay leader in the church. And they've got a powerful story about how they have learned to love generously and how it's changed how they live their lives. I'd love you to hear their story now. You know, I have to say uh, generosity is important to me because it helps take focus off of myself. I've told a lot of my friends before, when our kids were young, we'd take a vacation every year. My best vacations were when I made the trip all about the rest of the family and not about me. And generosity is very much the same way. We've always given to our church that we were part of. But when we moved here, um, I wouldn't say that we were tithing. And so it was a couple of years after we moved here and were part of Treach that the pastor at that time did a sermon about tithing. And it touched me so that I realized we were not tithing and we weren't, um, we weren't giving to the church first. That wasn't the first check. I, I paid the bills at that time, and um, I didn't write the church check first. It came last. And so that sermon just touched me in a way that I learned that that was what we were supposed to do. So you know, living generously is not something that you do once and forget it. Generosity to me is living generously every day. It doesn't have to be just about our money because when we see somebody in need, taking the time to show Christ's love is a form of generosity. And so, yes, tithing to us is important. And we get tremendous gratification from sharing and what we've received. But it's not just about the money. It's also about the time. And it's also about living each day in this framework. Don't you love their story? I love the Hyde family. They're such a great family. And if you've ever been around them, you just feel the joy and the love of God and the generosity of God's spirit. Man, I love the way they've learned and discovered how to see the world and life with wide-eyed optimism because they've discovered the joy of generosity. They've discovered this gift of not trying to love both God and money, not trying to worship both God and whatever wealth can bring. They've discovered this huge blessing of facing the world with great generosity because they have been given so much. I love the way the writer of Ecclesiastes put it so many years ago because it reminds us of this lesson that the Hides are trying to teach us. Ecclesiastes 5 literally just says, those who love money, will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth will bring true happiness. It doesn't, does it? 
And so when we're trying to either worship it or follow it or love it or serve it, it ends up being empty. It doesn't bring us what we need or want. It's why I cherish how the Hydes and many of you have determined to make this conscious focus on simplifying your life, focusing on God and God's generosity, and the powerful ways in which that changes who we are so that when we relate to other people, it's obvious that we love God and that we want the best for someone else. That's why ministry here at Treach flourishes because you are so generous and you want others to know of that generosity. But it's an ongoing struggle, isn't it? This sense in which I see and I want, this sense in which I, I sometimes, without really intending to do it, I somehow become a little more squinty-eyed. I become a little more focused on myself because of my desires or my wants. And I, I tuggle between, man, can I give my full devotion to God or am I giving it more over to these things of the world? You see, our goal is to be more singularly focused. That's what Jesus is trying to claim for us. And in that focus, we want to be guided by God's Spirit and by God's generosity. I, I remember uh, during these last 18 months, it's something that none of us would have asked for, right? All of this crud through COVID, through the pandemic, and, and none of us would want to go through it again. But there are one or two things that have impacted us in positive ways. For many of us, maybe not all, I'm sure, we've, we've found a way to simplify, didn't we? We didn't travel quite as much. We didn't go out to eat quite as much. We didn't go do things quite as much. And while certainly we felt isolated by far, there was a sense in which, man, I had more opportunity to, to be generous, particularly with my dollars. I know this isn't true for everybody, but Kay and I found that we had more money available to us because we weren't doing certain things. So we decided we would give some of that away. Some of it we gave more to Mozambique than we've ever done before. Some of it came to the church. Some of it went to other nonprofits because we realized we had the opportunity to see wide-eyed that we could help, that we could make a difference. And I know you will want to do the same as you contemplate your generosity for next year. This whole series is trying to help us better understand that generosity and what it will look like for next year. So I want to show you uh, just a, a snapshot, because here's what I believe about generosity. Generosity is about our whole lives, the ways in which we speak, the ways in which we act, and the ways in which we give of our dollars. But I believe it begins in our relationship with God. And most of that relationship has some connection with the church, right? So I'd love to show you this uh, uh, chart that uh, helps identify the giving levels of various folks in the life of the church. These are family units here in the church. Every category you see at the bottom is the dollar amount folks give, and the top is the number of households that are giving at that level. And I noticed just a couple of things, as I'm sure you do when you see this chart. One is there are many generous folk in the life of this church, people who understand the wide-eyed optimism of what God can do through our ministry, and therefore they are committed to it, and I am grateful for that gift. The other thing you might notice is, golly, that purple column on the far left, uh, that's a bit sad to me because that's a number that represents right at 30% of our membership here in the life of the church. And it says 30% are giving nothing. 30% choose for whatever reason to think, I, I don't need to be generous or I can't be generous or I won't be generous. And I'd love for us to realize, man, 
surely there's some way we could acknowledge that we could be generous to God. And I'd love to see any of us begin to develop a, a desire to stop seeing squinty-eyed, but rather to see more wide-eyed and more optimistic about the way I could play a role or have an impact in ministry in the life of the church. And so I'm gonna invite you as you see this and contemplate this chart, wherever you may be, because I'm sure you can find yourself on this chart, what is it you might could do to step up maybe, to step beyond where you currently are, to consider prayerfully ways that you can make a difference in the world? I wanna challenge you to consider how that might be possible as you uh, think about your generosity for 2022. In fact, if you're ready to do that uh, this week or next, I'd encourage you to scan the QR code that is on the screen because that will take you directly to the place you can make your commitment for next year. You see, friends, part of what we've realized in this campaign is that generosity is not something God wants from us, but rather it's something that God wants for us. Remember, God is so generous to us and therefore it changes who we are. And if we can glean just a little bit more about that in terms of how we live our lives, we recognize it benefits us. It benefits the ministry of the church. It benefits the world. As you are contemplating your generosity for next year, I'd love for you to reflect on those generosity stories you see week in and week out from here at the church. You know why we share those? We share them for two very simple reasons. One is to say thanks. Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for making ministry possible. Thanks for doing what you know God wants for you to do. But the second is to motivate and encourage you to realize your generosity makes a difference. You change lives. You help people come to know Jesus. You help people, you help hearts become transformed. And we want you to know that every single week. Friends, here's what I know about generosity. You know, God gives us a very simple command, Jesus did. Love God, love your neighbor. You know that love is absolutely free. It doesn't cost a single penny to love God, to love neighbor. But it all starts with a generous heart. I can never love anybody or anything unless I first recognize that it's out of generosity that I do that, that I want to share life and wonder and joy. And what I've discovered, and I know you are discovering, is that generosity breeds joy. It breeds more uh, um, gratitude, and it offers hope in the world. So friends, as you're determining how it is you're going to live more simply so that you can love more generously, I pray that you'll remember generosity is not what God wants from us, but rather it's what God wants for us. And I pray that your life will be full because of that gift. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for how generous you are and how you and your son Jesus help us to see more clearly, to have those healthy eyes that are wide-eyed and optimistic about what lies ahead because you have first been so generous. Help us, Lord, as we make decisions in our own lives about next year and how it is we will support your ministry in the life of the church. Help us to reflect on wide-eyed optimism and the ways in which our generosity can have huge impact on ministry in the new year. Thank you for that gift, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Well, friends, as I do every week, thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity because it really is making a huge impact and a difference in the world. If you'd like to make a gift right now or next week or schedule a gift, you can scan the QR code that's there on the screen with your phone right now, or you can text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. Thanks so much for what you give. We're grateful.